Welcome to the Redemptification Podcast, where we focus on inspiring people and communities and starting conversations around the topic of redemptification. Redemptification we define as the creative work of redeeming a person or place to its intended beauty and glory. I'm your host, John Marsh, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ty Maloney. Well, welcome to the Redemptification Podcast. It's going to be a fun one today. I've got Chris Powers from Fort Capital, who I met, Bobby Fajan, or F-I-J-A-N, crazy friend of ours has been on the podcast, and you know from Cross Properties introduced us, and um, it's really interesting. We, we were supposed to start a little earlier, but we got to talking, and I love when I meet someone I love talking to. Um, he established uh Fort Capital in 2005 with a focus on real estate and uh, private business investment. And he's the CEO and founder, Fort Worth, Texas. He's got a high amount of energy. Holy moly, to be 33 years old doing or 34 doing all the stuff he's done. It makes some of us feel really old and really slow. But I love hanging out with smart people because I hope it'll rub off on me. Um, To date, it looks like, at least from my research, he's invested and developed about half a, almost half a billion dollars of multifamily student housing, commercial and industrial in Fort Worth in the state of Texas. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us sharing your wisdom, Chris. It's an absolute pleasure to be here today, John. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Well, it's fun to get to meet people that you really like right off the bat. And I, I love that. It, it happens to me often that I meet someone I feel like I've known them a long time and it's a uh, it's a, I believe there's something so divinely inspiring about meeting new people. And every great season of my life started with meeting somebody. And so yep. did every hard one. Yep. So and it's, it's serendipitous in a lot of ways how you meet people. It's not this plan that you would have put together. But as you've said, and, and we've talked about, it just seems like sometimes the right people show up at the right time. And um, it just, you know, it's from meeting people. And knowing people, which I'll talk about in some of your questions. It's, it's inspiring. I love it. It's just like, I think, man, everything I need, the provision is, is, is it's ahead of me. All I got to do is stay on the path. And the, he, the good Lord's left breadcrumbs of what I need all the way. Because everything I'm going to, he's got planned and using everything I'm going through to get me there. So it's, it's powerful. So I love that you talked. I'll start off with the podcast, uh, episode 131 of your Fort podcast, which is, it's, it's, it's a great podcast. You've done an enormous amount of episodes. God, you're an overachiever. 180 something episodes. Yeah. Tomorrow will be 184. You are awesome, man. I tell you, it makes me feel like I'm just, uh, I'm just scooting along here. I got to pick my game up a little bit, but great folks. I encourage everyone to listen to it. It'll be in the show notes. Um, so I love personality types. I mean, you mentioned in that, that the, 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 how much personality types have woken you up to just like how you're wired and what your, what your best contribution in the world is. And the same kind of thing happened to me and, and my family. Tell me about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I um, as it relates to personality types, I think, and I kind of learned it through business, but, you know, I grew up and nobody ever taught me that, you know, we're all kind of different and come from different um, experiences and the way we look at the world is different. And so for a lot of my younger years, even into my, you know, 20s, you kind of 
uh, judge everybody's decision making and how they react to things and how they do things based on how you would do it. And so that creates a lot of this person is right or wrong rather than it just kind of is what it is. And it leads to a lot of highs, but it also leads to a lot of lows. And I just got really into, you know, trying to understand who I was. And, and it's kind of something that we were just talking about. You know, I started this business when I was 17 years old. It's the love of my life or it was the love of my life before I got married and had a family. And I was starting to become really unhappy at work and I couldn't figure out what it was. And a lot of it was just the things that I'm good at and built to do was no longer needed in the business at that, at my position. I needed to, somebody else needed to be doing that. And so I started going down this rabbit hole of, you know, who am I and, you know, what drives me, what doesn't drive me, why is something that I love for so long, I'm not loving as much anymore. And it was as I was taking different personality tests, whether it be Enneagram or Culture Index or Myers, I mean, all these things, it started to paint a really clear picture that no matter what test it was, these are the general areas of my life that I have strengths and that I'll thrive in. And these are the areas that I won't. And then I, I met, you know, take it one step further. I met a guy named Lex Sisney that started a company called Organizational Physics and he treats business, but you can apply this to anything in life as from true physics, it's energy. What gives you energy and what drains energy? Mm. And we all have those things in life that right before we're about to do them, we either go from the zero to a 10 or from a 10 to a zero. And um, that can be in relationships. That can be that person that you know, every time you walk in a room with, you're just toast. You're, you have no energy or that person you walk in the room with and you just pray that it never ends and nothing even has to be said. And when you start one, learning about that yourself, but then going, Hey, we're all different. And there's things that drive this person that won't drive me, but then taking one step back and going, but we all need to be here for the whole world to function. If the world was filled of a bunch of Chris powers or a bunch of John marshes, it'd blow up tomorrow. We need everybody. <laughs> Nobody's any better than anybody else. We're just different. And so I think that's kind of how I started thinking more along the lines of, you know, who am I? How do I fit into this world? And how do I get the most out of it um, by knowing kind of who I am and, and what will drive me energy and what will take away my energy? It's kind of similar. We took all of the business principles that work so good for us and just pushed them down into the relationships and marriage. It's, it's, it's funny. We found that like the communication tools we use and the, these personality types, they work. I mean, I want them to be good for my Sunday school teacher and my economics teacher. And, and it's powerful. What you said is I say it this way is we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are until we begin to be different and look and, and realizing that all of us are better than any one of us. It takes us all. And it's, it's just different gifts and different talents for different things. And that's really what was so powerful to me. So we use a number of tools. We use the Enneagram, as you mentioned, and we use that really, we think from a spiritual standpoint, that best describes your flesh that God came to, to deliver you from. It's yep. the prettiest flesh average flesh or sick flesh, what it looks like. Mm -hmm. We think the, the five voices are our communication lens, which is built off of Myers-Briggs platform of like, how do you communicate with others? What is it like to be on the other side of you? We use DNA, desires, needs, and affirmations. 
And then we use a positivity, PQ positivity quotient. We use that in hiring for companies. We use that in building communities. And we use that in couples for getting compatible in our marriage and raising our kids to who they are, not who we are. Yep. And it's, and it's really powerful. If, you, if anyone on the call hasn't in listening, hasn't begun the journey, please begin the journey of getting to know yourself so you can grow yourself. It's really powerful. It is. And I would just tell anybody, anybody that hasn't been through it can often think, you know, these are wonky tests that just kind of tell you what you want to know. What I'd tell you is there, there's a lot of science behind them. There's been a lot of, there's been thousands of people that have taken them. And from my experience, but I, you know, I also have 30 employees and I can see them as like, they are spot on almost always. And it might not be what you want to hear, but it's the truth in a lot of ways. And, and that specifically for me, hit me like a ton of bricks. There was a lot of things in there that I thought, oh man, is that who, who I am? But then when I related it to the things that were making me unhappy, it's like, yeah, of course I, you know, th this makes a lot more sense. Um, so they've changed my life. They've added a lot of value to it. And if I'm ever having trouble with somebody at work, you know, my wife's taking them. My kids are too young at this point, but I'll eventually love them to take it. It explains a lot of things. And um, again, it might not be what we always want to hear, but it, it brings a lot of truth to what happens in cer certain situations. Yeah, I think we say it, it's a low resolution lens to us in some ways. It's not, it doesn't put us in a box. Think of it more like a pair of shoes that we want you to try on, not like a box we put you in. And you get to wear the shoes. But, but the best way by it, assessments online and things can tell you how you are showing up at work and how you are in your choices, how you've been nurtured. But the only way to find nature, in our opinion, is to do it by hand. Someone be with you in this process to work out who are you in your wiring by the way the creator made you. And the distance between how you were created to be and how you're living is stress and tension. Yep. That's where it comes in. And so, when, I mean, if you're a five foot tall guy trying to dunk a lot, you're going to be having some high stress. And so we, we want you to get in a place where you're, you're operating under peace and that's why one of our focuses is a peace index. How are you, how is it peace? Because if you want to know what the world calls happy, the Bible calls peace. Yep. It's a peace that passes understanding. And peace is not a process, it's a person. He's yep. actually the prince of peace, not the author of confusion. So it's powerful to have that in our lives. So great things. I love the fact that you're doing that and we use it in, in all those things. We do, it's, it's a huge piece. And so I encourage you to do that, listeners. So tell me a minute about how in the world does somebody start at 18, a company, from what I understood, no outside capital, and then build this thing like you did. That seems strange at the minimum. Well, there was eventually outside capital, but I think it started with, um, and, and this is something that I draw on a lot in my life as I think back and I didn't realize it at the time, but that's a lot of how life is. You don't realize that what you're going through in the moment is setting something up for later in life. But um, my dad was a lawyer and when he was 37 years old and I was seven years old, he came home and he told my wife, uh, he told my mom that he wanted to leave being a lawyer and become a doctor. And um, yeah. So partner at a law firm, El Paso, Texas, you know, living a, a good uh, middle-class life. 
uh, and somebody comes home and says, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to resign. I'm going to go back to undergrad and get my prerequisites. And then I'm going to spend the next nine years after that, basically making no money uh, as a med student, no money. And as a resident, very, very little money. And I, um, again, I didn't grow up in poverty and I don't want to paint that picture, but I did the, the seven to 15, we just didn't have a whole lot. Uh, couldn't do things that other people at my school could do, um, you know, go on trips and things of that nature. Couldn't eat out to dinner. And, but when you grow up for the first seven years of your life, kind of being able to do those things, and then all of a sudden you kind of can't, it just early on formed a drive in me that to this day is my biggest strength. And it's also my biggest weakness. I mean, John, I don't wake up. I've never woken up a day where I, I didn't wake up feeling kind of poor and like I needed to go do something even, you know, later in life. And so when I was 17, I went to TCU and TCU is a private school in Texas, a lot of wealthy uh, folks that send their children there. And I was a fish out of water. Um, I remember, you know, getting to school and, and feeling a little bit out of place. In high school, I'd had a, a golf, a business selling golf clubs on eBay, which in the early 2000s was still like a novel idea. And I was mowing lawns and washing cars. And I got to TCU and I was like, man, I need to make some money. And I ended up being very fortunate meeting a guy that had just won Entrepreneur of the Year Award at TCU. And he was a freshman buying rental houses around uh, the school. And this, this is 0405, so pre-Great Financial Crisis. And I'll kind of you know, wrap this, this story up by saying back then, a 17-year-old with no credit or no money was able to get these zero down loans that kind of was the impetus of why the, the crash happened. I was very fortunate to be in Texas around a university that was growing. Um, but I started buying rental houses my freshman year, really to kind of make enough money to kind of hang out. I mean, this was no big plan. And, you know, the, the story is 17 years later, this year, we crossed a billion dollars worth of transactions. Um, I'm 34. I've got, I think we have just under 30 employees, or we might have just hired our 30th. And, you know, I'm relatively young, but I've, I started when I was 17, I'm 34. I've been doing this half my life. Um, it's all I've ever known. So I've had a lot of great people, a lot of partners, a ton of failure, just a ton of everything. Um, and I'm really fortunate to be where I'm sitting today. And, um, you know, I wouldn't really change anything about it. It's, it hasn't, you know, everybody wants to go up and to the right, but up and to the right still looks like this. Ziggy uh, Ziggy. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I love what you're saying, but you're not relatively young. You are young, okay? So mm -hmm. <laughs> you are still young, man. Amazingly, you've got a. You know, I was asking one of my mentors. He's 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 his company's worth over a billion dollars, and I was asking him. Uh, you know, he said, John, do you know the most impactful years of your life? I said, No. He said, What do you think it is? Well, I, I really don't know. He said, It's your sixties. So you know what's number two? Your seventies. He said, you know what's number three? Your 80s. He said, you know what's number four? Your 50s. And at the time he was telling me, he said, you're just about to enter number four. And that's still right where I am. I'm 50 today. And I think about that. I mean, you still got a decade plus to get into the fourth season 
And what a, what a tremendous opportunity. What a great thing that, I mean, you've been on a journey that kind of looked like a detour, but it worked out in such a way. And for everything that you've given up to go up, it costs you. I mean, I know there's no way you've done what you've done without tremendous, you don't do that many push-ups no. and, and not have pain. No. And, um, you know, we'll, we can chat about it or we can get into it now, but I, I had somebody who's like a father, a best friend. I can't even describe how much, how important this person is to me, but a guy named Pete Chambers. And he just really saw me and saw the trajectory I was on. And look, man, when I'm what you said, I'm full of energy. I'm full of energy. And, <laughs> um, he just made a very conscious effort. And there's a thing called Halftime Institute, which we don't fully have to talk about, but this is not just something he dreamt up. This is a, something that people do where he saw, and he's, he's older, that a lot of people later in life that were these hard charging entrepreneurs that, that honestly had great intentions, thought they were doing all the right things, providing for their family, you know, making money, doing all these things. We're getting into the second half of their life thinking, okay, I haven't really spent time with my wife or kids, you know, you treated people poorly, but now I'm kind of here. I've got all this money. Now I'll kind of meet everybody. And it was to make up for all that. I'll make up for it. And so he just kind of took what was there and kind of developed it a little further and sought me out, you know, and we were friends before this, but the last four years has spent hundreds of hours helping me think bigger picture as to what are you going to do now to where you're not regretful when they, and that's why they call it halftime in the second half of your life. Um, and look, I, I to sit here and say, I haven't figured out would be the biggest, you know, fib I could tell. I struggle with it every day because my natural tendencies are selfishness to want to run a big business to da, 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 to me, me, me. And, um, the more you focus on me, it's actually a more unpleasant life. Um, but again, I was probably on track to be that person unknowingly and I fight it every day. And um, yeah, it just takes a lot of great people in your life and really being intentional, just like you want to, like, I want to grow a great business. If I want to have a good marriage or, you know, good kids or good faith, everything has to have effort and intentionality. Um, and he's just been unbelievable and at least helping me see it. Uh, Mentors are, are uh, I mean, if you look back, I think of how, when I look at things I'm grateful for, it's the men that have come into my life that add value, that see me um, in a different light, that, that want to, you know, want to share with me those things. And I've got four mentors. The oldest is 82. We've been together 26 years. Second one's uh, in his 60s, and it's been like 23 or 24 years. And the other two, the youngest ones are in their early 60s, and we've been together seven or eight years apiece. And, and those guys, we talk every week and, and spend time every week trying to learn and grow. And it's a, it's a privilege. I can encourage anybody on the call. People say, well, how do I find a mentor? Where are they? They're all around. You just, you just got to – what I say is when someone speaks to my heart and not my head – and my heart is humming like a tuning fork. I'm going to spend more time with that person, right? I mean, it's not a genius approach. It's just like if they say stuff that impacts me, that means something. That means to me that God's speaking through this imperfect person to share wisdom with me that's hitting me. Yep. And that's really what it's about. I mean, it's it's a powerful force. So 
I'm grateful. I listened to that podcast and I'll put it in the show notes with you and your mentor. And it just, it blessed me like crazy. I mean, so many things that I could recognize in that and so much wisdom. Um, it's, it's just incredible. And you're a member also of YPO, which I would have loved to have been. I got too old before I knew about it. Yeah. YPO again, uh, I've been in it since I was 29. Uh, from a business, but the thing about YPO that anybody who's seen it, a lot of people just think it's about business. But the truth is, we spend most of our time talking about being a father or a husband or somebody in the community. Because for people that are entrepreneurs or business owners or hard charging people, it can very easily be the focal point of your life. Hmm. And everything else falls by the wayside. Again, not intentionally. What, I, what you find with so many people is they have such great intentions, but because you, we are taught in America that you wake up every day at eight and you go to work till six, seven at night, and then you feed your family, you know, maybe catch a soccer game for the kids on the weekend, that that is the life. And what you realize is the biggest challenges that most business owners face aren't even really in their business. It's everything else that's kind of falling by the wayside. And so again, I think God put me in the position because I am young. Like you said, I'm not relatively young. I am young. And I can say with conviction, I had good intentions, but I was on the path. If you'd ask 25 year old Chris who he wanted to be, he wanted to be a big billionaire with the biggest business in the world. And mm-hmm. um, again, I, I didn't have bad intentions with that, but the cost of that would have been very costly and probably something I would have regretted. And I'll end that by saying, maybe I will have that, maybe I won't. But what you learn along the way is if, if that is all you want, it leads to a really dark life. A more balanced life might give you that, it might not, but I don't think you'll really care in the long run um, if the different parts of your life are all kind of managed. Yeah, you know, I, I said it recently, and I, just as a way to think about this, and, and there's not a neat, it's a little difficult to think about this, but I said, would I, and, and I know that, Elon Musk is not married. He's got a kid and this thing, but would you trade your life and your wife and your kids for his wife and his life and his kids? No no way. And so that really brings it to us. What we really want is to live authentic. And, and the reason I drove hard and made money, my, you know, you can't serve God and mammon, but that's not money only. It's the thing in which you desire. It's something that gives you value outside of the creator and you can't serve both. And the, the thing about it is it's so many people really is money. So easy to quantify how well you're doing. It's hard. We talked about before the podcast, how do you know if you're a good dad? Well, wait till about their 20 or 25 and see how you did hoping those seeds you planted were good. You know, um, my dad was such a smart man. He said, son, I'm not worried about whether you're going to turn out good. You're going to and I wasn't at the time doing good, but he said, I have a feeling by the time you're 30, either life or your wife will straighten you out. <laughs> and he was pretty much on target. He had this idea that most of us getting pressed and starting to realize what it's really about and longing to be a good father and a good husband when we know we dropped the ball. I mean, that's those two areas of my life are the areas I still work the hardest, it seems like, to receive the least I put it in business, it shows up on a PL. Yeah. You put it there, it's hard. You've got to humble yourself and try to do something you're not near as good at as you are at this business most of the time. It is hard. And for people that have been successful in business, you know, my biggest fear is a spoiled, entitled kid. Um, 
Yet at the same time, I don't necessarily want to have to do the things I did when I was younger. It's 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 a constant balance. And um, you know, somebody said, and this might have been you that told me this, but it was recent. It's like a trip around the sun. You're with your kid, and you can see him on this half of the sun. And then all of a sudden, they they leave and go off, and they're going back around the sun. And you don't really know what they're like. You kind of know what they're up to, and you miss them, and they've gone off. And then eventually, they always kind of come back. And it's that time when they're out doing their own thing that we worry a lot. But it kind of reminded me what you just said about your father, where he said, "I you you'll come around." Yeah. Without waiting to come around can be a. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, because you're really being a prodigal father. Mm-hmm. You know, you're standing on the hill waiting on the one you love. You're not. You can't do anything but waiting on them to come home. And it is a difficult thing, but I do know for us, those five S faith, family, fun, fitness, and finance, we believe you got to have a plan for everyone. We need to plan like everything depends on it. So we can live like nothing does. And the Bible says that man plans his ways. God orders his steps. Now God doesn't need our plan, but we need to be a people that plan because of what it does for us. I mean, the push-ups you don't do won't help you. I can't do push-ups for anybody. You got to do your push-ups. And so each of us working on that. And wouldn't it be horrible if you were rich, successful in finances, and, and, you, and you lose your spouse and your kids? Or wouldn't it be horrible if you've got great family and you're very wealthy and you're sick in your body and can't get out of bed? I mean, one area of your life can pull the other ones down dramatically. You're absolutely right. And on the, the latter note of the, the, the age spot, you know, you we're right now, you and I are time billionaires. We have time. I guarantee you Warren Buffett would trade every single dollar he has right now to be me. Right. He, and that is something I think about all the time. Um, I even say it this way. I love the way you said it because I've never heard it that way. Time billionaires. I say we ride in a billion dollar suit. Yeah. The network, I mean, this thing's asset value. I mean, Steve Jobs would wrote you a check for a billion for one of your suits no matter who it was, he would have taken your suit and said, I'll buy that thing. (laughs) But we've got this gift that's been entrusted to us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. And the question really comes down to, and and it's one of our questions, number three. So let's jump into our questions. So we'll, uh, I always ask 10 questions, guys. I'll put them in the notes. These are the 10 questions I ask everybody when I meet them. Now, the power of asking the same questions every time, and I don't always do this on the podcast. In fact, this is the first time I've done it, but I ask people when I sit down with them, if I was coming to have lunch with you in Fort Worth and I knew I was going to sit with you, these would be the 10 questions I'd be asking. Because what I want to do is borrow your perspective on the same items I've asked other men about. And it's like you let me borrow your unique refined glasses. Like I remember the first question is, when uh, would you share with me three things to always do and three things to never do um, from your life experience? One man up in New Jersey he said, John, three things to always do. Beautiful legal documents. <laughs> That's what he told me. And I said, well, tell me more. So he told me this story about why beautiful legal documents. And there's just been so many wonderful things come up about this because People say, well, I don't know. Well, say just, it's no problem. Just say what's on your heart. Well, they'll just bring you jewels. And so there's gold in people. We're moving the dirt to get to the gold. We're looking for gold. So today we're going to get gold out of you, my friend. So tell me, based on all you've learned, three things to always do, three things to never do. 
Uh, I, I, the, the obvious is tell the truth. And, and that is, it just makes life a lot easier um, when you don't have to remember all your lies and, and, and people don't like a liar. That is just the golden rule. So that one's the easy one. I just thought, you know, you sent me these earlier today and I was thinking through some of them. For me, remain curious and ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. One question and the answer to that could change your entire life. Um, and so for me, I, if you know me and, and you see me out and about, I will ask people more questions than, than they know what to do. My wife will joke that before we're done at a restaurant, I will know the, the waiter or waitress's full life story before we leave. <laughs> And it's just natural, but remaining curious and asking a lot of questions opens a lot of doors. And to me, that's always been important. Third or second, take accountability for what you're doing. Nobody likes somebody. I shouldn't frame it that way. The people that we want to work with and trust the most often are accountable for everything they say they're going to do. And if you have somebody in your life that, and we all have that person that says they're going to do it, and you know, as soon as they say it, it ain't ever getting done that's just a really tough place to be in life. It's not being accountable and that's accountable to anything. Well, um, that's, that could be all five S. One thing I say is I want to walk with people that their feet line up with their mouth. Yep. That's now right. one of my mentors says this, he said, John, you know how I know I can do a deal with you. And I said, how he said, cause I'll play dice with you over the phone. <laughs> so if he said, if you can play dice over the phone, you can do a deal with them. Yep. The last is uh, treat all people with respect. And I, and I capitalized all, and I'll give one quick story and, and then we'll move on. But um, my dad passed away 10 years ago and at his funeral, there's one thing I remember about his funeral. It was a foggy day. Uh, the, he worked at a hospital and the janitor of the hospital came up to me at the end of the service. And he looked at me and he said, I've worked at this hospital for over 40 years. And your dad is the only person in the hospital who has ever given a shit about anything I had to say or do. He came and checked in with me every day. And in real estate, you know, we have the developer, executive, financier, billionaire, all the way to the guy that's, you know, sweeping the floors to make sure the building is clean. And I just think the way to look at life is, is not one is any better than the other. And again, the tendency is to always treat the developer financier with more respect than the other person, but you'll go a long way in life. If people know that um, you care about them, no matter what their situation is. Hmm. You know, we did, we took this one company, me and Brad helped take a company, grow it by about a hundred million dollars. It was a, uh, an addiction recovery company. So we figured out that in Dick's recovery, everyone that called the addiction recovery company had three questions on their mind. Now, they didn't know it usually, but they were on their mind. And we took these three questions, turned the whole company's intake around us. Do you care for me? Can I trust you? And can you help me? And and I tell you, all of us are asking that, right? Because if you care for me, but I can't trust you, even if you can help me, I don't want you. But if you care for me and I can trust you, but you can't help me, I don't want you. So it's just that you 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 nailed it there. Great advice. So how do you find encouragement when you're discouraged? How do I find encouragement? I kind of talked about it earlier. Surround yourself with great people. You always hear you're an average of the five people you hang around with most. And the cool thing about the world we live in today, those people can be folks you follow on the internet. They could be somebody you're listening to on a podcast. They could be me and you now that have become friends from halfway across the country, but 
I find encouragement by who I surround myself with. And, and I'll follow that up with it. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Um, and so that is, you know, if I want to be a drug addict, typically you'll look at the people in my life and they're drug addicts, or they're at least letting me be a drug addict, which isn't that great. Uh, on the flip side, if I'm looking for encouragement, surround yourself with people that could encourage you to do whatever those things are. And so I find encouragement from the world around me. And the cool thing for anybody listening is, you know, with some nuance to this, you get to pick and choose who you surround yourself with. Um, and in today's world where we have the internet, you might be in a small town where there aren't a lot of, you know, people doing what you want to do, but you can get on the internet and start listening to someone or talking to someone. So that's how I find encouragement is who I surround myself with. I, I feel the same way. I think people people excite me and they ignite me in, in direction. And just being in great conversations and hearing how other people think and borrowing their thinking. I mean, the thing I realized about you in that first call is you were saying things that were so on point with the way I believed. And it's like we were listening to the same radio station in two different places. And so when you see that and people are, you're getting it, lean in a little bit when your heart's humming like a tuning fork that's how i pick friends that's how i pick mentor relationships as i want to say tell me more can i spend more time with you can we find and i noticed um from you just talking that you even through twitter have met great people and using the digital platforms to say you know who, who who's out there that kind of thinks like i want to think or living like i want to live yeah i mean the internet gives you access to millions and if not billions of people um, and so we're able to put people in our life now that, uh, might not have been there before, you know, a hundred years ago when it was the 10 people in your town that you got to see at the saloon every day or, you know, whatever it would have been. What about, uh, so what is the good life to you? So that was a good question. Um, and it's, I don't want to give a fortune cookie answer, so I'll give a little twist to it, but it's serving others in all facets of life, whether that be my family, my business, people in the community, but I'll follow that with just this exercise I went through in YPO and how I think about it. Um, and the exercise was imagine that you're sitting at your 80th birthday party and in the room is your wife and your kids and your friends and your coworkers. And um, you're, you're looking out over all these people that you have been around your entire life and the exercise was um, your wife, uh, your kids, one of your best friends and your coworkers are going to give, get up and uh, give a speech about how you impacted their life. The exercise was you write their speech. Mm. And I'll tell you, it's very sobering because if you're at a point in your life, you're like, man, I don't know if I'd want my wife to write that speech right now. Mm. Um, or I don't know if I'd want my coworkers to write that speech. It's the quickest way to figure out if you really are serving others or if you're just manipulating others to serve your own kind of mission. And I'll tell you, there's days where I'm like, I want to write that speech right now. It'd be great. And then there's days I told you about my episode this morning with my four-year-old. It's like, I don't want that speech written today. And so I find a lot of joy. It's why I do the podcast. I've done 180 episodes. I love the idea of sharing the knowledge, just like you do. I love the idea of seeing people at my work succeed. I love the idea of, you know, chatting with someone who's on the fence of whether they're a Christian or, or want to believe in Jesus Christ. I, it's where I find a lot of fulfillment. Um, 
And I don't know, that's just a good life to me. And I don't want to be a fortune cookie answer. I tried not making it, but that is a good life to me. Well, I think about that, you know, I think about the hardest thing about what you said, at least for me, uh, serving others, you know, it's, it's kind of like that when we look at the biblical priority list, you know, it's to love God with all your heart, soul, and might. Yeah. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yep. You know, that look, if I put my order of priorities the way I see it, number one is God's first. John's second, which is the most unusual and hard thing to imagine. My wife is third. Kids are fourth. People I'm called to walk with fifth and job ain't in the top five. So, but the hardest person I've ever found to serve and love is John. I feel like he's been the least deserving of that kind of care and extravagant grace. Wow. And so for me, I've been working hard. One thing I did is wrote a letter to 30 year old John, looking back to him with grace for where he is and what he's been through. Instead of looking at him through judgment, he could have been better and he should have been better. But he's, he's a young man having a hard time. And, and he was doing a pretty darn good job. He's staying faithful to it in the ways he knew. And so I would just encourage our listeners, the hardest thing I've ever found is to forgive, love, and serve myself in a way that's really godly. Yep. And you give what you live. Yep. So it's a hard one. Great, good life answer. So what's the greatest lesson you've ever learned? Um, I think the thing I think about a lot today, and, you know, this, again, what day have you called me on? Uh, is <laughs> We're getting a small sample size. <laughs> yeah. Everything in life uh, compounds, good or bad. Um, a, you know, a bad example would be if you're on drugs, you start with a cigarette and then you go to a here and then it, it compounds and then the relationships get worse in your life and blah, blah, blah. On the flip side, um, good relationships compound. And when, when, for somebody I can, I can reference a lot to business, there's always, you know, the young guy in the office who's working their butt off trying to get the deal. And they're always like, you know, that, that old guy always gets the deal and he doesn't even work. Right. <sighs> But what they're, what they're really not thinking is he's had 40 years of compounding these relationships and this trust and this uh, accountability to the network around him that all he has to do is pick up the phone and say, you know, I want the deal and it's done. Um, but everything in life is compounding. It's either getting better or worse. And the more focused and intentional you are about that thing, the quicker it will compound to something to where it's very effortless to live a good life or it's very effortless to not do this or things of that nature. So, you know, I, I'd end that by saying, you know, this, the generation older than me, um, you know, they kind of picked a career and they stuck with it. Now there's this generation where every kid has 10 jobs before they're 30 years old, they're bouncing around industry. And I would just say it's very hard to build something that's going to compound in, in relationships that will trust you implicitly if you're just never letting things kind of compound. And so that's probably the biggest lesson. And it applies to almost everything in life, your faith, your family. Um, but it's you got to stay intentional and focused and things will compound in one direction or the other. It's so true. You know, I love what you're saying, because actually it's you know, that's one thing I think I missed. I never, I kept hopping businesses and didn't let success catch up with me early on. 
Yeah. Um, and it, I felt like a mosquito in a nudist colony. <laughs> oh, great idea. Oh, I want to just hop it around. And if there's one thing that I think gifts you and I share, the more you discipline the gift yep. and bring it in on, on and dedicate yourself to doing, doing some things really well, yep. the, the more it compounds over time. If you don't bleed it, eat, eat three cheeseburgers a day and see if it don't compound <laughs> over time. You'll be beeping when you're backing up like a wide load truck. You got to, this thing is all on top of it. I mean, I think about my coffee. I changed the way I drink coffee. I used to put two scoops of sugar in it. And I just multiplied two scoops times 365 days and did that to how many pounds of sugar that was. I thought, self, we're moving mountains here. You got to slow down on this. And it's kind of your nature of it. But I'll put a video in the link, uh, Compounding Relationships. One of my mentors and Great guy, Doug Ditto, um, did a, a video on it, and it's really good. So um, what about how has failure shaped your life? Um, I think the way that failure has shaped my life, and again, this goes back to, to who we are. And so I have a sister, and if she listens to this, um, she looks at failures, and she can. She, her tendency is to really dwell on them. And make it, maybe make that failure the stopping point to maybe doing the next thing. Making it final, huh? Making it final. And again, this is a, a gift. I didn't read this in a book. And I, and I just, as I just look back in my life, if, if there's anybody that knows me, I think about failures for all of about two seconds. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I immediately go to like, what did I learn from this? Keep going. Um, and so for me, it's taking accountability for the failure, like what you said. Um, not dwelling in the moment and, and using it to make a decision of how am I going to move forward to it rather than the decision of that must have been a wall that I'm now stuck at and I'm gone. And so for me, and again, I'm trying to give real answers, not fortune cookie answers, but fortune cookie answers or cliches are cliches because they're true. Right. Failure is just an opportunity to learn and get better. Um, it doesn't mean you have to do the same thing over and over, but I just... I just don't dwell on failure very often. And so when people ask me, like, what are some of your biggest failures? I often have a hard time answering them because I don't truly categorize them as failures. I just categorize them as like, oop, I learned something. Now I got to do this. Sonny, I hear you saying your sister maybe takes it failure is final and you take it as feedback mm -hmm. and just adjust and adjust. And I've been what I've lacked in, in uh, sometimes in intelligence, I've made up for in persistence. I just keep, I just think I can't hardly lose for winning if I just keep taking the step, taking the step, taking the step. Yep. And that, that's really the powerful thing about life. And I think if we learn from that, all of us are going to go through stuff. It's part of life. But, um, yep. but, but it's interesting how we, how we get up is important. Just get back up and go again. Keep going. So what's your greatest strength? I texted my wife that before this and her answer was that I'm humble and charismatic. Hmm. And my answer was my, my drive and ability to move the ball forward. I can rally a group behind an idea, which probably stems from being charismatic. And the humble part is kind of going back to treating people, all people with respect. Um, I don't know. Just nothing turns me off more than somebody that uses their, their financial status or their star power to, to make them feel better than you are. Um, and I tend, and my assistant actually says this often, I actually overcorrect to try and often try and so hard to not be that person. Um, 
So that's what my wife said, humble and charismatic. That may be That's great. good. If you get it from her, that's the real. I tell people, you want to know what a man's doing, look at his wife's face. I said, if my wife's face don't look like I'm t- like I'm saying I'm loving her, don't listen to it. That thing's more real than what I say. Yep. And so I like that. And, and I do think that that's, that's one thing. One thing my mentor did say, and from my personality type, he said, John, you think your sense of urgency and solving problems is what has made you successful and what your company needs from you. He said, what our companies really need from us is hope and encouragement. He said, that's the greatest gift. And remember, motivation is for we and manipulation is for me. For me. And, and, and we're supposed to be motivating people. And I said, I, I, I really see myself now in my best as an ambassador of hope. Yep. Going around, giving away hope, just like, I mean, just being generous, extravagant and promiscuous with it. That's if I were to think of you, that's exactly what I would think about. Well, I, man, if that's true, praise God, that's what that I want to be doing. I want to be putting it on people because <laughs> um, I know we need it. I need it. Sometimes I'll go give my courage away all day and come home totally discouraged. Yep. Me too. And, and it's sad. And my wife goes, well, what happened? You were just said, baby, I used it all up and now I'm sad. Somebody told me the other day that we, as humans, we put on masks. And then when we're alone, we get to take all the masks off. Sometimes we're um, you know, who are you going to be when you walk into this meeting or who do you have to be in this certain situation? Um, yeah, it sounds like one of those moments where all the masks are off and you're at home and while you gave everybody else the, the good and the joy, you kind of drained yourself of it. May I think that may be it. And it also may be, you know, the other thing I think is experiencing it is I, I, I get, I get courage by giving it away. And the only life I can't see in is mine. I feel like I could 2020 vision in other people's situations in life that, that I actually have divine favor. My four years, when I'm, if you don't know your purpose, you'll try to do all kinds of things. And see, like, I don't think real estate's your purpose. I think your purpose was way back behind that and it showed up through real estate. Oh. And, and like what I believe my purpose is to help people grow personally, yeah. love God passionately, do good work purposefully and live intentionally. Now, when I do those four things, I've got supernatural favor on my life to do it. I mean, I got, it's like rocks in the little kid's sling. I'm going to be taking giants out. <laughs> but then I come home and look at my own life and realize there's still so many things I wish I, I wish I could be a me for me, yep. but sometimes I don't. So, and it is, it is that. And I do believe that um, I find, you know, I'm just too hard on myself. I don't love myself the way I should. And I'd kick anybody's butt that treated me like me. You nailed it. I'm the same way. And I don't want to be that way anymore though. So uh-huh. I just keep dragging that thing in the light and calling it what it is. So it can't take it. You know, negatives are developed in darkness, not in the light. Yep. You drag them in the light, they get healed. So what is your passion? How did you find it? Um, I, I've, I really just, my passion is I'm just like a really curious and I love learning. And to what you just said, is like, I don't think real estate is why I was here. I've used it to develop maybe a platform. It fits your skills. You were for wired sure. for it. Right. But, you know, I, I don't look at deals very much anymore. I don't do a lot of that stuff, but I'm really focused on the, the personal part and, and what are we going to, what will this evolve into? And 
I think anybody that knows me would just say like, I'm obsessive learner and just very curious about the world. And, you know, my dad always used to say like, keep opening doors, never shut doors. You just mm. keep living a life where you're opening doors and it'll just be really interesting. And so, you know, again, it's a positive and a negative. My brain never really shuts off as much. I've tried meditating. I've, I've tried doing <laughs> all the things. Um, I have certain habits that I can calm myself down, but I think my passion is learning and being very curious um, about things that I'm interested in and to such a degree that I think it stands out by how curious I really am. I love it. I love curiosity. And we could have a whole talk about that. I believe it's that I'm a drug addict to core drugs, <laughs> use in the suit. I think when I learned, it's like a little squeeze. Oh, that felt good. <laughs> it again. And so I just, you know, I mean, I can get, I said, I've been, a, you know, you can be addicted to, to drugs. You can be addicted to work. You can be addicted to softball or you can be addicted to porno and all of them have different outcomes. I choose to be addicted to Jesus. It's the one thing that has worked for me that has great outcomes. The more addicted you get, the better your life gets because you seek him first and then he adds things to you. Yep. Seek first the kingdom, he gives you things. And you know the one you're seeking because the only thing he produces is peace. Yep. So it's, it's, uh, it's powerful. So what this is a one I love, a book, anything. What have you read that we should read? So this is um, part of what I is kind of coming off what I just uh, have been talking about. So I read a book last year that I've not fully reread, but I go back to called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Comer. Oh, you read it. That one stings. Oh, oh yeah. man. That is basically everything I'm not. <laughs> uh, and um, just there's so many there's so many lessons um, that we were designed to have rest. And, and Sabbath on Sunday is a gift for us to rest. Mm. And, you know, I've always looked at Sunday as like I can get four extra hours of silence in at the office and get stuff okay. done. Um you know, I, I, after reading that book, I walk 90 minutes every morning now just by uh, myself. I need to do that. Um, but for me, it's everything I'm not naturally. And the world we live in today, and this title kind of speaks for itself, Ruthless Elimination. Everything America is teaching our kids and us right now is hustle, 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 go, 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 more, more, more you know, do this trick and you'll be smarter or eat this food and you'll be stronger. It's just never ending. Um, and what you find is when you're always in a hurry and you don't really stop to smell the roses, it goes back to kind of that halftime part of life is you just kind of miss all these great things going on around you. And so again, I still struggle with like my natural core is to not, is to always be in a hurry. Um, I actually I have to be very conscious to slow down. Um, but it's probably rocked my boat the most in the last year or so. Yeah, me too. It's, um, you know, one definition I heard of, of, of busy struck me and it's being under Satan's yoke. Yep. And you never saw Jesus to that book's point be um, busy. He just didn't, he wasn't in a hurry. Yep. He was just doing, and, and for me, there's a pace to life I'm trying to get to that, that is humane. Yep. And so often I'll, I'll catch myself getting, you know, life is like this. I said, when you're a kid, you could grab on the back of a bike seat and run faster than you could run. 
Yeah. The problem is if you let go, bam, your face was hitting the pavement. And so a lot of my business life, I felt like I've been running faster than I could run. Yep. And one thing that's helped me is I start my morning. We, we divided my day in three parts, practices, task, and relationships. And that's been real rewarding for me because, I mean, think about this. To drink enough water, you have to drink when you're not thirsty. To be healthy, you have to exercise when you're not sick. Yep. You prepare, repair. And so the, the, the cadence of what we talked about before we got on this call is if you look at your, we spend a lot of time working on what is your daily disciplines and your daily agenda. If you get that right, a lot of things are going to line up straight. Yep. And so to your point, that's great. So what have you done, a trip or an experience that you've done that we should do? I just, I just did this and I, it was, it immediately came to mind. Uh, I was at a, uh, a buddy's ranch and there was like 10 couples out there. It was like 20 of us. And out of the blue, he hired a, a professional magician to just, he came for two hours and did magic for 20 adults. No. And all I will tell you is if you want to make a room of adults feel like children again, the, I can't even describe the energy that was in the room. Uh, so the experience that I would do is, is one, next time you have a party, hire a magician, but don't tell everybody at the party that there's going to be a magic show. Ooh. Just kind of let it happen. I've been to a lot of parties, a lot of get together, a lot of everything. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And for two hours, you know, everybody was a deer in headlights as this magician just kind of did tricks. And so that's maybe an experience that I think you could That's do a great with. one. It's a lot of fun. That is very good. And last one, who's doing good work in the world that you know about that we should know about? I want you to meet Pete Chambers. That's awesome. So you, and, and I'm going to share the link to you and Pete in the, in the podcast, just the things he's, he's, he's dedicated his life to. His story impacted me so much. I was re-listening again today um, just because I love the idea. He said, I decided I wasn't going to buy a business over 10 miles away from my home. And I may have stretched it to 20, but, <laughs> but it's no, but just this idea that we have to, he put constraints and there's something about putting constraints on ourselves that make our lives good. Um, it, 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 it helps. I mean, even the margins on the side of the page when you're reading serve yep. a purpose. Yeah. And so he, he tells me things like um, kind of to that point, restraints and the right restraints in your life actually create freedom. We, we tend to believe that freedom is just being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want. And that is actually um, not freedom. That's more of chaos. His whole thing is once you know where your boundaries are, that actually creates more freedom in your life mm. because you kind of know where the playing field is. You can't play football by running up the stairs and playing all you, you, you know where to play. Yeah. Um, so and you also have the goalposts at the end. That's what I, I realized so many people um, don't know where the goalposts are in their life for that, that impact all of them. There's so many unintended consequences. I mean, you know, if, if, if we would, measure every like one of my partners in a business I love Brad Baggett helps me so much because he asked me the hard questions about um you know when I want to make a decision he'll ask me is that going to honor what you said you wanted for your family right it seems to me you're going to get out there and Ash asked me something a while back I was talking about some project that was going to give us more and she said well okay you just tell me what the more is for 
I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> what do you mean? What's the more for? She said, just tell me what it's for. And then we can go for more if it, if what it's for matters. I thought, this is strong. And so it is the way we have to have to live together. Um, it's, it, it's, it's amazing to see what you, you know, I know we haven't talked a lot about your real estate investing in our call here, more about personal development, but what you're doing at Ford, I think is amazing what you have done. I, I love listening to your podcast. There's a lot of wise people on there. Um, just dropping nuggets everywhere, which is good. We, I love learning. I listened to the couple of guys that work with um jll yeah Steven that was a that was a good podcast i love the way those guys think and why they stay with it so just a lot of good information about the industry but more importantly than the industry i think your curiosity learning and being willing to put yourself out there and 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 say hey i'm 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 going to do something with this gift i've been given yeah I appreciate that. Of life is really important. And uh, I've enjoyed getting to hang out with you some and look forward to it in the I'll future. I look forward to you being on my podcast soon. All right. Well, I hope I, I got to be more technically sophisticated when I'm on there. I don't know what I'm going to say. We may have to record a couple and edit together. <laughs> but thank you for being on here. Um, guys, if you've enjoyed the Redemptification podcast, share it, rate it there on iTunes. And, um, if, if it's added value to your life, let us know. We, we want to do this in an effort to add value. Um, it's, it's part of my call is that your life's a little better because we've been in it. And um, we're going to spend forever together if you know the good Lord. And I want to get started right now being friends. So thank you for your time. Make sure to check out all the links about the Fort podcast. And thank you for being with us, Chris. Thank you so much, John. Good to be with you. I appreciate it.